Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you today. My name is Pastor Doug Williams, and uh, I'm from Emmanuel Community Church International in London. And it's just a privilege to be able to come into your service this morning and to be able to share from God's Word. My message today is called From Mental Health to Mental Wealth. And that's a strange title. I know it sounds a bit odd. But the reason for that is in this lockdown scenario, now we're going into lockdown two. In lockdown one, people were really, really agitated at how they were going to make it through that season. They, they just didn't know how those changes to their life, to their business, to their community uh, dynamics was going to affect them. And some people were like, I, I'm, I'm such a social person. I love being out with my friends. I love connecting with people. I'm going to really miss all of this. They became quite agitated. And then getting locked down inside a bubble, even if it's with the family, people you love and know so well, being so enclosed in each other's space created all kinds of tensions and difficulties. And it really put stress and strain on people. So when they heard that lockdown two is coming, well, everybody was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. I didn't quite pick that up in lockdown one, but this time it affected me. I'll tell you what happened. My wife gets a call from some well-known friends of ours who we haven't spoken to for a while because of the lockdown scenarios. And as I walk into the room, she says, oh, here's Doug now. You can have a chat with him and just say hi. So I pick up the phone. I'm talking to my friends. And as I'm hearing their voices on the end of the line, my heart just welled up. I just felt so emotional that, hey, I haven't met these folks or seen these folks or been in any social settings with these people for months and months and months. And I didn't realize it was impacting me as deeply as it was. I think the issue for me is, you know, we don't always see each other. We're not in one another's pocket every week. But I do have a choice about connecting with them and going to see them. During the lockdown scenarios, that choice has been taken away. And sometimes the absence of choice can create real mental pressures on us. And I began to feel a little bit of that, I'm not going to lie, this week. In fact, I was looking at some information on how people are, you know, handling this situation. Um, And I looked at the, the Health Foundation who wrote some blogs back in June of this year. Louise Marshall and Joe Bibby and Isabel Abbey. They they wrote an article together. And the blog noted the following, that 69% of adults in the UK have expressed worry over this COVID lockdown situation. They're worrying about the future. Out of the interviewees, 63% said, we're really concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. 56% said that they were now living with increased stress and anxiety. They had levels of stress that they've never had before, and they were really concerned about that. 49% said just the lack of focus and the boredom that kicked in at times was incredible for them. It, It was affecting them. All of these are mental health concerns and are affecting the way people are doing life in this season. They didn't only note stress and pressure for their thinking they noted stress and pressure in their physical bodies so some of the stress related physical symptoms that people identified were respiratory ailments their breathing was suffering there was poor diet for a lot of them they found themselves snacking on rubbish food and not eating properly not exercising properly some identified sleeplessness as a major problem in this season Others said that they were experiencing fatigue at levels that they had not experienced before this moment. And they were concerned and alarmed at those symptoms appearing in their lives. Of course, others said this, we are suffering with major headaches and stress. Some people said this has even triggered migraine effects in my body that I never had before. Look, all of these things are happening to people next to you. 
sitting in the pew next to you or who used to sit next to you in the pew or in your neighborhood. And I said to myself, all of these national statistics include me and include you as Christians. This isn't just happening to people outside the church. This is happening to people who visit our fellowships. And I'm saying, what do the scriptures say to help us have good mental health and good focus during this season? That's what we're going to look at next. Well, the first point that I want to look at as I bring you to the scriptures is a text that I found in 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 15. I'd like to read it to you. Here the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and says this, So whenever you assemble, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should dress decent and appropriate in their clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God, they should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do. Women should listen and learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first and afterward he made Eve. And it was the woman, not Adam, who was deceived by Satan, and sin was the result. But women will be saved through childbearing and by continuing to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. Now, I know the Apostle Paul has been criticized as being very restrictive in his understanding of women, etc. And part of the culture of the day may well have informed the way he spoke. But the texts are here before us, and the scriptures are very clear that all scripture is profitable for learning, for teaching and training. So I thought, even though this scripture may have some controversies in some people's minds, it's still a helpful scripture to have a look at and to analyze. And I really wanted to look at it, especially on this issue of mental health, because some of the things that struck me as I read it are as follows. Paul addresses Timothy and says, Timothy, when the church gathers, when you're assembling together, I want you to be aware of some things that are affecting the men. He says this, I want men to lift up holy hands when they pray. I want there to be a sense of purity. That's what the holiness of hands is really referring to. I want men to come into service and to continue in their discipleship walk and at the heart of that is their purity. It was Jesus who said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, Paul, Paul said to Timothy, I don't want there to be a compromise on the issue of purity. The next thing he said was anger. I want him to lift up holy hands without wrath. Anger management is going to be very key for the mental health of good disciples in the church. And then he said, I don't want them to have doubts. I don't want them to be living in controversy and duplicity in their minds. And so here are key, three key areas for men to be aware of. Purity issues, anger management, doubt, controversy, and the issue of duplicity, which obviously undermines your ability to make good decisions. And it was the book of James that said, an un, a double-minded man, they're unstable in every part of their life. But then he speaks to some of the women who he encourages to listen. Hey, here's a, an interesting thing. Sometimes people are so overcrowded with all kinds of thoughts that just bombard their head that they're not in a position to listen to anybody. And I do know that sometimes with all the things that our women are asked to do, our wives and our sisters are, are asked to do, that they can become completely overwhelmed at the activities that are going on. And I'm sure in the COVID lockdown scenario, there was plenty of scope for overload. And this is the danger. The overload is so pressuring on the mind that you can't think of anybody else and you can't listen to anybody else in the middle of those pressures and Paul said be very careful about that the other thing that's mentioned here in this text is this people who give excessive attention to physical appearance 
that can lead to stress too. I've discovered that. He mentions here that godly women are not trying to gain attraction for themselves simply by what they wear or the fashion accessories that they purchase. No, I mean, they should be able to purchase them. That's not a problem. But it's the excessive attention to physical appearance that can lead to stress. You've probably read blogs or articles or heard interviews where people have become very depressed or body shamed or concerned about body image to the point where it's, it's just literally destroying their thinking. And I believe that God wants people to be free from that kind of pressure. While, while we're in lockdown, everybody's looking in the mirror thinking, am I getting too big? Am I getting okay? Do I still look all right? And they become more conscious than ever. And we need to be careful about what that can lead to if it happens to develop into an excessive focus. And then he speaks about people who become domineering or want to usurp authority. It's people who become bossy and controlling. And if that happens inside your relationships, inside your marriage, that domineering, bossy, I'm not listening, I'm making unilateral decisions type of attitude springs up. We have major problems. Although I just read this text very briefly, it's highlighted for me some key mental health issues that could emerge as problems, even for us as Christians in the lockdown. Things like fear, anger, doubt, sexual attraction issues, and how to handle sexuality appropriately during this time. And you know, it's look at where we are in lockdown, where there's a lack of visibility and a lack of accountability. When it comes to sexual behavior, some people have gone off the rails. I've got to be honest with you. They haven't handled uh, appropriate righteousness and behavior because they, they haven't been visible. They haven't been accountable. And these things create problems. But the other things that happen in lockdown could well be this issue of domineering. The domineering kind of manipulative behavior. And when I uh, unpack that text to you, clearly give you an idea of what that word means, you'll see what I mean. But manipulation, deception, and the issue of mental purity. All of those things are really key. And here is an apostolic voice Speaking to the church, saying, Timothy, when your folks gather, these are the issues that they need to deal with. Friends, I want to tell you that, okay, we're socially distanced. We're not in the building. We're not gathering the way that we used to. And we will return. Those things will normalize eventually. I don't know how long this is going to be, but they will. My concern is long COVID is being discussed at the moment. Long COVID is a reference to the impact and the ongoing effects of the virus. But what about if long COVID hasn't just got to do with the virus? What about if it's, if it's got to do with mental health issues or the poor decisions that people make because of these kind of scenarios I've painted to you? All of that is going to travel back to church for us. And when people gather, they may be bringing a lot more back to church than they left church with before the lockdown. And so we need to be very careful about all of that. And I think we need to talk in more detail about how Christians can develop good mental health in this season, the things that they should avoid, and the things that they should pursue. So let's talk about that too. So in lockdown, what should be our pursuit in terms of our good mental health as Christian disciples, those who want to follow faithfully the following the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and to honor him and the community he's building called the church? How are we going to do this well? You've got the challenge. I've certainly got the challenge. The people that I lead and serve have got the challenge too. So we need to look at this. Well, I'm going to go back to the text, as I said, to look more deeply at the concerns that Paul had raised with this young leader in Ephesus called Timothy. And I, I want you to hear what he says. The first thing he says, Timothy, we need people to pray. Uh, we need there to be a, a focus 
on genuine spirituality. He said, look, I want men to pray everywhere. And before we get to holy hands, he said, I want you to pray. This whole thing is set in the context of prayer, of devotionality, and real clear spirituality. And nothing's going to work well for us as believers if we try to have mental health outside of our relationship with God. It is God who gives us the peace, the focus, the sense of purpose, the clarity of heart and mind that we need because of his will and, and, and directives for our lives. That's what's key for every Christian. And so, you know, if your devotionality needs an upgrade, this is the season to give it focus. This isn't the time to run from God or to hide from God or to do things that you hope God can't see. This is the time to strengthen our roots, to deepen our devotion, and to upgrade our spirituality. That's what we really need to be doing. And we can do that by giving attention to the next things that Paul says. He says, Timothy, I want men to pray with holy hands. And the root word is for purity, for holiness. It's a term which means to not be polluted, to not allow pollutants into your life. And I think Paul is very clear about that, and it's a very strong word. Well, when I look at how men, particularly because this is a word he used for men, this is something that our men need to focus on. You need to be aware that impurity is going to offer itself to you and present itself as a temptation to you in a very strong measure during a time where visibility and accountability are low. Lockdown's a great scenario for that to go horribly wrong. And so we look at the gateways in which people are, tend to be polluted. I sit and work with men. I've been involved in working with men's ministry for a good couple of years. And for, for a couple of years, I traveled with a man by the name of Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. Uh, Ed Cole was a phenomenal man who reached out to men as his focus of ministry. And I had enjoyed those couple of years traveling up and down the country with Dr. Cole and hearing him speak into my life. And he was just like a father. Every time he opened his mouth to say something, he brought some wisdom. But he talked a lot about the kind of things that men have to do to keep themselves pure. But there are gateways and access points for every man that you need to be aware of. Firstly, your eyes. What are you looking at? What are you reading? What are you viewing? Oh, you're going to watch a lot of stuff on Netflix. You're going to have an opportunity to surf the net and look at all kinds of things on your devices. But the issue is one of the strongest things that pollutes men's eyes in our day is the issue of pornography. I mean, literally, literally, millions and millions of pounds and dollars are spent on this pursuit. As men think in secret, they can indulge themselves and binge on this unclean stuff. Watch what happens through your eyes. What are you watching, gentlemen? What are you, secondly, listening to? What happens through the ear gate? Uh, we need to be careful with that. The company that we keep. Listen, the scriptures clearly say that bad company can corrupt good morals. Now, we may not be able to uh, gather socially the way that we have been doing, but people get on the phone. They have got various uh, opportunities to zoom in, to have conversations, to stay in touch without physically being in the same space. But wherever you are, whatever level of socializing you've got, you need to be aware of the content of the company, making sure that this stuff is keeping you focused and faithful and not undermining the fruitfulness of your life. I've also discovered this for people who are just kicking back and chilling, that they love to watch programs that keep them laughing. Humor is a very, very powerful tool. I think sometimes some of the comedians of our day are some of the most insightful people on the planet. They can look at situations and just find a comedic element in them. And the thing is, a lot of what they say is true. That's what makes the laughing so hard. We go, oh, that's so funny. But you know what? That is so true. However, a good number of them have used some rather colorful and salty language and crude expressions to communicate those powerful insights. It's amazing how, if you're not careful, 
the things that you hear and see in a human moment can come back to you in a vulnerable moment. And you need to make sure that whatever goes in your eyes or your ears or what's happening in your company or what you're doing to relax and find relief in is helping you stay fruitful and faithful to the things of God and not adding to your life pollutants. When he says to them, I want you to lift up holy hands which are pure without wrath, he's talking about people who are quick to anger. This is an impulsive kind of rage. It's, it's a rage which is fuming underneath and then suddenly bursts out. There are other biblical words about um, anger which speak of a very intentional, focused kind of rage against people. But th- this is different. This is a kind of anger that's just been bubbling away in the background. And suddenly something triggers it and kaboom, everything blows up. You know what? The lockdown scenario could be the very, very place that you get triggered with angers that have been bubbling away. You know, when you've had an opportunity to hang out with your friends or go and socialize, do some sports, have a hobby. Now you can't do those things. They would have been your coping mechanisms. They would have been the places where you could have let off steam. But now you can't. You're trapped inside your bubble. You're inside the house. There's restrictions and there's lockdown on all that you're doing. That can cause people to just go, I've had enough. And it's like a torch to the fuse and boom. Before we know it, relationships are blown up. Arguments occur. And anger gets released that is absolutely volatile. We need to be really careful with that because that's a concern. And that's a mental health pressure that you could have right in your own front room. He then goes on to speak about men who are handling doubts and disputes. And the word means to have an intensely aggravated debate and lots of questioning. So it's people who are in the the questioning mode or in the angry debate mode inside their pressures. And I'm telling you, friends, when people behave that way, it's a struggle for them because they can't make clear decisions with that kind of head on. And here we now have men who are trapped in a kind of duplicity, a double-mindedness that James says has long effect and broad effect because it can make people unstable, unable to give leadership, unable to be focused, unable to help their families. If that's where their minds are at, then there's something that needs to be challenged and changed in that scenario to help you stay on track. Well, now I have some things that I want to say to the ladies who are among us. When Paul addresses his concerns through Timothy to the women of the congregation, one of the things he mentions is this. I want women to be modest, to have an elegant dignity about them, to live with restraint and self-control. This isn't the time to get giddy and dizzy and strange about anything. He says, I want our ladies to be sane and sober. That's really the impact of the word that's used here. These are really equal to saying there has to be an inner self-government. And in women, he's saying, I want you to have an inner self-government that reigns in the temptation to be self-promoting or self-centered. And when we're in the middle of the fear of a lockdown, everybody gets a bit self-centered and goes, ah, this is all about me. What do I do to stay safe? What do I do to take care of me and mine? And Paul said, look, there could be a temptation and a pressure on you to lack an eloquent dignity in a moment like that, to lack restraint or self-control. And if it isn't just about self-control in terms of relationships, it's, it's how you can become excessive in your own presentation. Maybe retail therapy is the option to try and 
get some peace in this moment. I don't know. People go out and they do all kinds of stuff to t- spend online. You don't have to go out to the shops at the moment. But people are doing all of those things and it becomes excessive. They lack a sense of focus and clarity and sobriety. And Paul is saying, I want women to be careful that they don't fall foul of that kind of thinking and allow that to affect their mental health. Then he says, I want women to be quiet. Now, this is where some of the ladies are going, excuse me, Paul. (laughs) Are you telling me to shut up in the nicest possible way? But the idea of being quiet is that you are, and this is the term, to be focused on personal business, not engaged in the affairs of others. And I guess that is if you're overly engaged in other people's business, which is so easy to do in a lockdown. It's so easy to get on the phone or to get on some apparatus and device and just chat about other people's business because what else are we going to do with the time that we've got? But of course, those things lead to gossip. They lead to all kinds of uh, unsavory conversations. So we need to be careful that our focus during this season is on the things that pertain to our own households and that we are focused on dealing with our own personal business issues and not get overly distracted, overstretched, and overly engaged in the affairs of other people. He used the term that women shouldn't usurp authority. And it's the idea of being domineering. It's the idea of saying, I want to be in control here. And fear can generate that in all of us. And I don't know, but the Apostle Paul seems to think that this might be a particular temptation that Satan's going to bring um, to our ladies, to our women folk. And so we need to be very careful that taking up a domineering spirit in the crisis point that we're living in isn't something that you're tempted to do. In fact, the word is quite graphic, and it can mean to kill another with your own hands. So ladies, if in the middle of this crisis you felt like killing some people in your household, hey, this word is definitely for you. It's the idea of people making unilateral decisions without reference to another, without sufficient accountability. Look, this can happen in a lockdown scenario, and it's a way of affecting and polluting the mental health that you may have and stop you from going from mental health to mental wealth and thriving and doing well in this particular scenario rather than failing miserably. Of course, all of this is wrapped up, as I said before, in appropriate spirituality. He speaks about women who are godly. Godly women behave in a way that they are God conscious in all that they handle and there's an increased sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you, my sisters, to focus on what Paul has said. Uh, You may be a little mad at Paul and think sometimes he's a little restrictive on women. I actually don't believe he is. I believe that Paul wants to encourage and release women to do whatever they can. Of course, there's cultural dynamics that are mentioned in other parts of the text. That's not my focus today, and I can explain them to you. But this text is very clear. There are temptations that affect the mental health of men, and there are temptations that affect the mental health and well-being of women. We need to be aware of those things and say, hey, Lord, how will you help me? overcome such things so that I can prosper and thrive during lockdown too and not find myself in dilemma. Well, I, I, w- I need to conclude what I'm sharing with you today um, in just a little while, but I want to look over what are the key to handling this level of mental health during a scenario that we're in now? How will our minds be renewed and how will we stay focused and healthy um, for the long haul? I think the key to this is a prayerful devotionality. That's why Paul said, I want people to pray everywhere. The whole um, comment, all of the comments, the whole of my comments that I picked up, picked up from Paul and Timothy's exchange is found in the context of Paul saying, I want you to, 
to, to be involved in intercessory prayer. For kings, for leaders, for those in authority, for everybody everywhere who needs to come to a knowledge of Christ. You know, I am in the middle of a scenario for myself and my family. My wife's nephew has recently just passed away. I mean recently, days. From the time you get this message, it would be just a few days that he would have passed away. And uh, by the time we heard of how the cancer had set into his body, he only had a few months to live. They, I think they gave him three. It was just under two. And I was really concerned. I was preaching uh, in a church nearby, and we'd been praying for him as a family, for him to come to Christ. And it was a wonderful opportunity for me to visit the house one day, unannounced, and, and he was there looking extremely uh, emaciated and thin. You know how these things are towards end of life. It's very troubled. Anyway, the family let me in, and he and I had a private moment together. I said, Stephen, I've been praying for you. And... Um, there's a couple of questions in my mind. Some are answered and some aren't. The question is, how long do you have with us, Steve? And I think that's been answered. The medical professionals have said, it could be any day. Are you aware of that? He said, yes, I, I'm fully aware of that. I said, the big question for me, though, and the next question is, after life ends for you and you stand before your maker, will that moment be a tragedy or a triumph? And he said... Well, yeah, I need to be right with God. I, I don't want it to be a tragedy. And I said, yeah, you have an option. It doesn't have to be a tragedy. It can be a triumph, and this is how. So I shared with him, very simply, by the bedside, the gospel. And then said, Stephen, how about you responding to Jesus and allowing him to be Lord and Savior of your life? He gripped my hand. His hand stood out from under the sheets, and he gripped my hand. I said, I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it with you. And with the raspiness and the weakness of his own voice, he followed me in a prayer of commitment to Christ and gave his life to Jesus. When I stopped praying, he continued praying, yes, God, I need you. Help me, Jesus. And I looked at him and thought he sincerely prayed this prayer. So when I was called late in the night to go to the house and Stephen's body was laying in the bed, I knew in my heart that he was transitioned into the presence of God. There's just something wonderful about that knowledge. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Timothy, I want everybody to be prayed for. I want the church to be engaged in such a level of devotionality and spirituality that we pray for everybody to find Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's only one person who's that mediator of life and eternal life at that between men and God, and it's Christ. And it, they need our prayers. And so when I look at having a good focused mind, the bedrock of it all has to be our focus on prayer and our willingness to intercede for people, for mission and for God's fruitfulness in the earth. If our minds are confused, polluted, distracted, not focused, we are not going to be able to follow through on these instructions very well at all. And people like Stephen would miss out. But I thank God that you're listening to me this morning because there was a way for us to put this right. So I think... Putting ourselves on track for good mind renewal and good mind health and wealth in this season begins, number one, with instruction, with good biblical teaching. I've given you a few insights today, and I think you could look through a whole bunch of scriptures and do what I have done. Look at the text and the exhortations and go, this affects mental health issues. It, 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 it speaks to peace or courage. It deals with fear. 
or anxieties. All of these things are mental health issues that Christians have to deal with. But the teaching of Scripture can give you a solid foundation as to what God's directives are for handling such matters. The second thing which is important for me is this, though, is intentionality. Instruction is the first, intentionality is the second. And by that I mean this. Do you want good mental health? It's pointless me saying to people, hey, this is what God can do to help you, to encourage you, and to strengthen you. If all you want to do is just wallow in confusion, to live with a domineering spirit or an impure mind or uncontrolled angers or undisciplined sexual appetites. If, if you want to wallow and live like that, not much that I say today is really going to help you unless your desire is for the directors of God, you'll live in your confusions. But if you really want out of this and you want the peace of God and the prosperity of God for your mind and your focus in this season, then there needs to be an intentionality from you to upgrade your prayer and your, and your devotionality and get focused on staying healthy in your mind. The third step after instruction and intention would be implementation. We need a practical way to reshape our thinking. And that's why <clears throat> I'm asking people to be disciplined in their quiet times and even to take a notebook, to, to, to listen carefully to their devotional readings and their personal studies of Scripture. We've got more time to do that now. And we should use the time wisely to do a little bit of an upgrade on our own soul. Maybe this is the time that we need to be thinking, what are the practical things I need to change? I need to sit down with my spouse or my children and say, hey, let's just do a little inventory on me. How am I doing? And what will I need to change? And how will I change so I come out of COVID better than I went in? It's going to be very important that we do that. Lastly, I think after instruction, intention, and implementation would be inspection. That I kind of do an MOT on my soul and just see how am I doing? A regular checkup. Let's find a little checklist. Design your own. How am I doing in terms of my prayer and my devotion and my love for God, my relationships with my spouse? Are we praying together? Do we talk together? Are we transparent about issues? Are there, are there unresolved things that we're avoiding we've never really dealt with? This will be a good time to deal with it. I'm speaking to a couple in our church who said, you know, being in lockdown has been so healthy for our marriage. In fact, so healthy, they've ended up pregnant. The issue is they've talked through issues and they've resolved things. They've used the time so wisely and so powerfully because they've said, let's do a checkup on our soul. Let's check that we're okay. Let's make sure that we haven't left any stone unturned. This is the season where we can make sure that our soul is healthy and our minds are fresh. Look, Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, and with this I conclude. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What a fantastic exhortation. And may God grant you the peace of those things, even as we talk about them today. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I know it challenges us. It should, because we want our minds to be free from distraction, from anger and wranglings, from doubts and duplicity, from impurities and a domineering, ugly spirit and angry heart. All of these things will just pollute us and diminish us as we walk before you. We want our lives to be a testimony of your grace and kindness. 
So we'll take the challenge on the chin this morning and say, Lord, would you turn the spotlight of your word and your ways onto our hearts? If you find a shadow on the inside of us, we've got time right now to linger in your presence and allow you to wash us clean. Purge us, as the psalmist said, and we shall be clean. Wash us. Change the inside of us so that we reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. That we're more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're more obedient to your word. We're more faithful to our Savior. We're committed to your purposes. That's why we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this piece of the earth. This square meter around our ankles. Right here in our hearts. Have full control. May our minds be renewed and refreshed for the honor and glory of your name we pray. Amen.